Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by the human equivalent of a natural two. Oh, that's so much more disappointing than a nat one. I know, right? Because a nat one is still It's at least a moment, event. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, nat two is just like, oh, I failed and it wasn't even a spectacular failure. Exactly. You just yeah. kind of, you just kind of disappear into the abyss of mediocrity. <laughs> well, not if you're a College of Eloquence bard. I I don't know. You're talking in in that. I'm talking weird in D&D, I'm talking in five E terms. In that weird five E. Well, College of Eloquence bards have a really cool ability where if you're rolling uh, deception or persuasion, if you roll sub ten, it's just a ten plus your modifier. So you can. So my name is John Santana. <laughs> I'm still Justin. <laughs> oh, he's so fed up a 5e already. It's great. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I lost interest. <laughs> but it's Just like, bard talk. Yeah, but it's 5e talk. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's combining a hate with a love. It's great. There is nothing interesting in 5e for me. <laughs> so how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Um, ran my first session of my campaign uh, since we last recorded, so I'm looking forward to talking about that in a little bit. Um, and yeah, just just chilling, man. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good as well. Um, like my homebrew campaign, the, the mm-hmm. kind of chin deep in a in a new um, sort of arc, as it were. Ooh. Which is already fucking with them, and <laughs> I am enjoying every single moment of it. Well, I mean, that's good. (laughs) So they're in this idyllic town, and, you know, idyllic towns are never what they seem. No. And this one is definitely not what it seems. Lovely. (laughs) And they've been attacked a couple of times by a certain creature, or a certain type of creature, should I say, and... Is the whole town a mimic? No, but the whole town is almost unaware of any of this happening it's it's almost like it it breaks reality oh god so (laughs) yeah the paranoia levels are quite high um i still think i could get it higher so okay that's kind of what you're currently sitting on like an eight you want to dial it all the way up yeah gotcha 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 yeah i don't think an eight is it's not satisfying enough for me um not adequate mate you know, I I struggle to get an erection on an eight. Pull your finger out, John. Well, <laughs> we're talking about erections. <laughs> Put your finger in. <laughs> 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 oh, right. Anyway, moving on swiftly. Whew. All right. Okay. So, do you want to do you want to like should we go through some news or do you want to talk about your your game? Which are you most most excited for? Um. Oh, I mean, obviously, I'm most excited for my, for talking about my game. Um, cause it, it was, it was very fun. Um, and it, it started out very much as I was expecting it to. Um, so they, they all came to in the hold of the ship as, as you read from the, the notes I sent you, um, you know, they, they, they met the captain. Uh, I've already found my you in the, uh, of the party. Uh, I will clarify on that a bit. Um, he spent the entire uh initial interaction with the captain uh taunting him whilst chained okay. whilst chained to the floor on the guy's boat 
taunting the captain. Very you thing to do. Um, he promptly then, once the captain left, uh, discovered the loose nail that was, you know, there for for plot reasons to undo their chains and locks and whatnot with. Um, did that. Proceeded to put the lock on his horns because he's a tiefling. Um, so he was like wearing the lock like a trophy and wrapped the chains around himself like a cloak. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. No, no, that bit's uh, not you. No, that bit's definitely not me. No, the bit that is you, though, is telling every single pirate he encountered as they went through the vessel that their locks were shit. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that does sound like <laughs> And then, no, oh, no, the, the, so, they, so they, they have the first encounter with some of the crew, you know, pick up some weapons and stuff. Um, proceed through, fight against the quartermaster, kill him, get his key, open the the armory so that they're able to regear because obviously they've gone this far without any of their equipment. At which point they walk into the armory and the the bard character, uh, Manfan, the the total bard, uh, finds his bagpipes. And before anyone has a chance to you know locate their gear and equip it and don their armor reunited with his bagpipes decided to play a little ditty well you know <laughs> I, I can see the the compulsion to yeah, be fair. yeah um thus alerting the captain and bringing him down to the armory before they had a chance to re-gear which is what i balanced the encounter around them doing um and proceeded to wipe the floor with each and every one of them and when he arrived at the doorway, he uh, asked them if they had any last words. And the you of the group, uh, Daryl, decided to turn around and say, yeah, your locks are shit. I'm getting out of here. Uh, at which point he, he, he knocked him out first. Uh, <laughs> he's currently being keel hauled. Uh, <laughs> no, makes sense. Um, it, it then progressed into uh, everyone on the floor apart from one character. Uh, who decided to make one last-ditch plea for not being knocked the fuck out. Um, and I was like, okay, well, g- you know, give, me a, give me a diplomacy role, or you know, it was a persuasion role, because different, different roles for a different system, but same, same difference. Um, they made their role. They rolled like shit. I was laughing, because I was like, there's no way he's failing this. I, I forgot I was rolling. Um... I, ro- I rolled in that one, which meant that even with the modifier, I was about three under what they rolled. So he did knock them out. Um, and, and Rachel's now the quartermaster of the ship because they, you know, killed half his crew and his quartermaster and he needed someone he could trust. And the, you know, one that seems to be in charge of the people he just knocked the fuck out seems like a good choice. So how far... <laughs> away from what you had originally envisioned of the party taken you? The captain was meant to be dead. They were meant to be in charge of the ship. They're not. (laughs) So, you know, it's slightly different um, in that they're not in charge of the ship. They're still in charge of some people, but they still have a higher power now. Um, So, yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, I've now got to flesh out this captain a bit more than I previously had planned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that tends to happen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Hence, why I do not over prepare. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if 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 it hadn't have been for the bagpipe playing, it would have been fine. 
Fucking bad pipes. But on the bright side, the the spell point uh, variant rule is so much easier to track and maintain than than spell slots and all that nonsense. So that went down very well, um, which I was very happy with. Good. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad Mm. it's going well. So. So, when is your next game? Uh, we are currently in the process of planning that. I've got a week off for my birthday coming up, so I'm hoping to get a few sessions uh, of tabletop role-playing games and board games and whatnot in that week, because I'm also child-free the whole week. So I'm planning to have some people around and play games and do stuff and have fun. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so you've got all that time to... To meticulously plan what's going to happen, and for them to no, no I, I, throw I, you another curve. I, I already know what's happening next. I'm I'm very interested to see what <laughs> other curveballs they throw. You. Oh, I'm well aware that they're going to happen. Um, the 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 you of the group uh, has already rolled up a couple of spare characters because he's convinced I'm going to kill his character. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't realise that I love his character and I think his character is awesome. Um, and I have plans for his character, so I'm, I, I have no intention of killing his character. But if it if it happens, it happens. Um, See, that was a mistake I once made um, in in a campaign. I was playing a character, and for some reason, I don't think it was like in case of death. Mm. I think I I built a secondary character, mm. and I was more interested in playing this secondary character than I was playing the original. So I just kind of really lost interest. And it's something I've never done again. Mm. I will play a character until they are actually in the ground. Yeah. And, and then, that then, is then when I'll build something else. Because yeah. if not, I, for some reason, I, I get sort of excited in a way. Mm. For, no, absolutely. for this new character that I've got that I want to bring out and, and I want to test and all this. Yeah. And it just makes me lose interest in the character that I'm supposed to be focusing on rather than developing that. I, I develop, I think about how to develop this new character. And yeah, I, I've, that's a practice I, I kind of strongly discourage with my table. Yeah, because I mean, it does kind of hamper your experience a ton of it. Normally, I would, but with the player in question, um, he's a lot like me. In um, he builds characters for shits and giggles, um, so he doesn't develop an attachment or excitement around the character until he's played them. If that makes sense. Um, so you, you know how I will like sit in character builders for three days straight and just be like, "Oh, this would be fun," and I just like build out something. Um, but I don't really get excited for it until I start putting something into it more than just the the build, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, he's a lot like me in that regard, um, so I'm not too worried about him doing that. The rest of my table, I absolutely would not recommend them making other characters because they they would um, have that have that issue. I feel, um, but th- this one I'm not too worried about. He's he's the veteran of the table um, as well. Um, knows more about it than even I do, which is scary because I know a fair bit now. Fair enough. I'm I'm glad it's going well. Yeah, um, loving it. And obviously, the 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 most important question is: Did your players enjoy it? Did they have a good time? They seem to have. Um, everybody was uh, very very res- 
Respondent? No. What's the word I'm looking for? Responsive. That's the word. Good job. Team effort. <laughs> we did well. <laughs> we got there in the end. Yeah, uh, everyone's really responsive to everything. Good. Um the, the I think probably for me the the standout moment was when so when when uh Manfan, the, the the bard, picked up his bagpipes and started playing, uh Daryl, the, the the seasoned vet player that I, I mentioned earlier, as soon as he said that, he just looked at me. And I just smiled and he started laughing because he knew it was coming. <laughs> you can't on a vessel start playing the bagpipes and not have the captain go, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would seriously be a suspension of disbelief. Exactly. If, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, okay. Roll yeah. stealth to play the bagpipes. Yeah, play your bagpipes stealthily, sir. Uh, sorry. What now? <laughs> With multiple disadvantages. <laughs> Roll 18 dice and take the lowest. <laughs> oh, good. Um, it sounds like you had a good time. And, mm. I, you know, that's the important part of it. Yeah. No, everyone seems to enjoy themselves. And uh, I'm looking forward to next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and kind of speaking on next time... Um, I am I'm kind of currently in the process of putting together a Blades in the Dark campaign. Mm. Because Blades in the Dark really lends itself well to single session um like sort one of scores type thing. And because the overall progression is as much to do with the individual characters as it is to do with the crew. Yeah. What I am doing is essentially building a crew. Okay. Which will have, I don't think I've put an upper limit on members, <laughs> but it will be a case of maybe once every couple of Fridays when I don't have the kids or any yeah. other sort of responsibilities, just kind of approach the, everyone who has decided to kind of build a character for this and kind of go, right. Who's in on Friday? Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. I like that. If if it's two people who turn up, great. If it's six people who turn up, even better. And we'll kind of run through a score. Mm. And then that will kind of improve the overall standing of the crew within the city. Yeah. And that will be kind of the main focal point. So currently I've got um, one person built. I've even built a character as well, in case anyone else wanted to run a score. Yeah. I mean, um, I absolutely will, will build a character. So, yeah, if you want to build a yeah, character as no. well. I've also got another four people interested. Ooh. And, you know, even if it does get a, too, uh, a bit too big, there's nothing wrong with a crew, like, splitting into factions or, well, you know, I having mean, two like, crews. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the, the, the way you're kind of... You know, set, setting that up as well. It it could just be oh, we've we've got to this place. One crew is going to go and do stuff over there. That crew is going to go do stuff over there and run two different things like simultaneously. In air quotes. No, but the the system kind of is is really. I didn't even think of that, but the system would lend itself to that yeah. really easily because it is a very low prep system. Mm. Um, most of kind of like the story development and everything that happens 
is down to dice rolls and improvisation. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely sounds a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it kind of, it makes me think of like, um, you know, the, like, the, the old Star Trek episodes where like every week they go to a different planet and they've got a different crew because, you know, all the Red Shirts last episode died, etc. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It is kind of that, and and because everything you do will have an impact impact on the overall crew mm. and how big the crew's getting. Yeah. Then yeah, I think it's it's a it's a nice little project, nice little side project that I'm I'm kind of looking forward to getting going. Yeah, man, sounds good. Alongside all the other side projects, I've. Yeah, alongside the the laundry list of things we keep adding to both of our plates. Yeah, I mean, I've got two Pathfinder Society scenarios to prep for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm still delving into Bind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Because um, I do want to run that. Um, Sci-Fi is actually trying to get vi- uh, Bind put onto Foundry. Ooh. Which is going to be quite interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's again it's one of it's one of those things that oh I should I should do this. But if I if I if I carry on saying I should do this, it'll never get done. Mm. Whereas if I start committing, then you know, at least it gives me the kick up the arse I need to to kind of put yeah. things in motion. Yeah, I mean you put it out in the world and then you're always gonna have somebody go, Oh, what about that thing you said on on you know? Like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, you know, I think the next thing that kind of needs to happen is bind. Um, so I'm going to be probably getting in touch with Marlin over the next week or so, and seeing when we can set up a session. I just need to think <laughs> and write something for <laughs> oh, said session. This is dangerous. <laughs> Thinking and writing is now our strong point. Well, I, you know, I kind of disagree. I think it is one of my strong points. Um, it's not mine. <laughs> it's probably not as enjoyable for the players as it is for me. <laughs> one of the people in my homebrew group um, actually works in the same office as I do. Oh, God. And for the past few weeks, he's just heard me giggling to myself <laughs> as something's occurred to me. Uh, something that I can later kind of run home and write down quickly. But <laughs> yeah, the amount of times we've been sat in the office and I've just gone, Whoop. yeah, I know that giggle well. <laughs> and yeah, soon he will see why I was giggling so much. It's gonna be one of those moments when it happens. You're gonna go, was that was that Friday's giggle? And you'll be like, no, <laughs> no, this was the overall giggle. <laughs> Oh, no, that's cool, man. Yeah, so, you know, future projects. Um, mm. Any of our listeners that do kind of want to uh, join in the fun, just um, let us know on the Facebook group. Probably the best way of doing that. Yes, I would say that's probably one of the best ways of getting hold of us for anything, really. Yeah, to be honest, mm. that is that is quite true. That's- so, should we take a look at some of the news that we've we've encountered? I think we should. Because there's one big piece of news, really. <laughs> it's like it's like really big. Yeah. So I might wait for that towards the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, which one did you want to start with? Because we, we've got a few bits here. All right. Well, I found this um, on 
on Dicebreaker, and it is Eat the Reich. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gory, self-indulgent, no, not self-indulgent, a gory, indulgent, quick-fire RPG about World War II vampires out to drink all of Hitler's blood. Um, okay. Yeah. So, apparently, the 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 person that's kind of behind this is quite well known for sort of out there RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's responsible for um, Spire, Heart, Die RPG, Orc, Borg, and a number of other titles that wear their effective hearts on their sleeves. So, essentially, this is about a group of vampire commandos that are kind of sent into Paris in their coffins. And they are just going to battle their way through and kill Nazis, essentially. Yeah, I'm I'm just having a look at the Kickstarter. One, it's incredible. It was funded in 31 minutes. (laughs) Um, They had a goal of 20,000 pounds. They are currently sitting at 241,435. There is nine days left. <laughs> so if anybody out there wants to go and uh, pledge, you can. The artwork looks amazing. Um, but it looks like it's a, a quick to learn D6 dice pool system on the Havoc engine that encourages creative violence. It sounds like a game for you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it. I don't think it's... Don't get me wrong, the premise sounds fucking phenomenal. Do you know how you level up? There's no XP. Go on then, tell me. You drink their blood to level up. (laughs) (laughs) Enemy reinforcement rules that keep the vampire invaders on their toes. Non-accurate maps of Paris with lots of location details and ideas for fun things to destroy. I like that they've like specified that it's non-accurate. So you don't have like somebody who lives in Paris going like, uh, that street is not there. Uh, sacre bleu. <laughs> um, but like just looking at some of the stuff like they've got stuff specifically designed for VTT as well which is cool as part of the like, yeah apparently they've package. signed with Alchemy is it uh, or is that another I haven't seen that anywhere um, no that <sighs> might have been something else yeah but it it Looks really good. Basically, they're saying, think Wolfenstein crossed with Danger 5. It looks awesome. It, it's the kind of game I think would be really fun to play, like, just like, you know, you, you, you're all around someone's house for, you know, board games or just chilling out or whatever, just whack out and send, send some vampires <laughs> through the trenches. Because <laughs> why I mean, not? I think... You kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. To me, like reading through it, it does seem more like a board game mm. than a than a TTRPG. Yeah, it, it definitely seems um, more like the kind of thing you you would like I say put pull out when you've got a few friends around or whatever, um, like you would a, a board game just for a quick, um, quick little game. But it looks yeah. it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the premise, I love the sort of, like, the tongue-in-cheek concept behind it, mm. 
I don't think it's going on my list. To, the, to be honest, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's um, it's one for us. But it's def. It definitely looks good, and uh, and I would say it's worth checking out. Yeah, wish them all the luck in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. But I mean, speaking of vampires and monsters and things of the such, have you seen that the Witcher Four game uh, being developed? means that they've put the Witcher RPG into hiatus for a little bit. Yeah, I, I saw that, and it kind of caught me a bit by surprise, and I don't know why it did, to be honest. <laughs> because when I think of like a tabletop role-playing game and a video game like, like Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. I although they share the same world, I've always kind of seen them as two completely separate entities, which will have been produced separately. But apparently that's not the case. Um, apparently they have to kind of focus on one and then focus on the other. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just having a look. So they are saying that the, they are separate um, separate storylines. So the the upcoming books and supplements for the, the TTRPG don't tie directly into the ongoing storyline of the main characters. Um, but I think that what they are going to be doing is stuff that's based around what's happening at the same sort of time. So I think what they might be looking at is, yes, it's separate, but I think they want it to be at the same, like, so the, the Witcher games are happening. Like, um, I really can't think of my words today. Um, at the same time, uh, parallel. That's the word I was looking for. Right. So they're, they're happening in parallel, if that makes sense. Um, so they need whatever happens in the video game to be finalized before they can, you know, implement that into into the uh, the RPG uh, or the, the tabletop RPG because obviously the video game is also an RPG. It's very confusing when you've got two different forms of RPG. <laughs> whatever happened to the? Um, the other project that they were working on, that Project Blue Moon, they were meant to release information a couple of days ago, and I can't see anything for that. That is true. They were. I believe they said it was supposed to be towards the end of last month. Yeah, I'm just Googling it now, seeing if anything kind of comes up. As am I. I have Yeah, I really it. can't see anything. Uh, September 30th. What is, what is that more information? Yeah, return here on September ah. 30th and step through the so game. So they must have pushed that back as well then. Yeah. You teases. <laughs> um, and that, but that's, to be honest, that's on that their project, official page. Yeah, that Project Blue Moon, definitely. There is more artwork though. Ooh. Is it nice? Oh, actually, no, they have given a little bit more info here. It's still not a lot of info, but it's a little bit more. Um, so there's some more, some more artwork, which, it, it, I mean, it is beautiful. I'll, I'll send you a link real quick. Um, there you go. So you can see the artwork that I'm looking at. Um, like, it, it is beautiful artwork. There's no denying that. And if the rest of the artwork is going to be in a similar vein, I'm probably going to buy the book just for the artwork. <laughs> um, 
but they have released a little bit more info. Oh, it's the second sneak peek. Yes. All uh, right, so apparently Project Blue Moon is the internal name for the game mm-hmm. and not the final title. Holy shit, that artwork, though. Right. Uh, so the first world, Nakatsukuni. I um, wasn't even going to attempt that, so good on you for trying. Uh, to imagine great armies of humans and spirits waging a hopeless war against corrupt a corrupted deity employing once peaceful creatures twisted into a, horned, a horde of mindless monsters to collect souls for a traitorous afterlife. That sounds cool. It does sound interesting, yet even now this world still isn't safe. The enemy continues to find ways to slither past our defences in the wake of this hundred year of sorrow and the reunification wars, this world struggles to recover. The wilderness is overgrown and perilous, the cities tainted by unrest, born from years of fear and conflict. Despite our best efforts, we cannot watch every dingy alley and dark corner. And then, yeah, then, then they just say about coming back on September, September 30th for more info. Mm, I am intrigued. I think this one definitely deserves to go on the watch list. Absolutely. It's not already. Yeah, it absolutely Did we have that should. already? Um, I, I, I honestly can't remember if we put it on there. Uh, we did not. We should. I'm, I'm going to drag that over. Yep. Uh, wait, it's not even. Where did, where did we put it? Yeah, because this wasn't, you know, this is something that occurred to me, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, fuck the Witcher. I want to know about Blue Moon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think The Witcher for me, the TV show um, kind of tapered off um, in this last season. And I'm definitely not watching next season without Henry Cavill. Um, it's just, it won't be the same. I, I, I can't say I didn't enjoy the 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 witcher i haven't seen all of it mm. because it's one of those shows that i've watched that i've enjoyed and the moment i've gone on to something else completely forgotten it yeah so even if i were to kind of pick up the next season it'd be like I, what where the fuck am i yeah i mean i, I the, so something i do with like those kind of shows um is whenever i'm gonna watch the new season i rewatch the old season or at least the last like three episodes because uh, then I can remember where I was. Yeah, I do that as well, but <laughs> the show has to really interest me yeah. in order to do that. For example, Only Murders in the Building has come out with, with Series 3. Mm. So, sure as shit, I'm going to watch, probably rewatch it all before watching <laughs> Series 3. The Witcher, not so much. Yeah, I just, I think they've made a mistake. Um like recasting the same character with a different actor. I think if they brought in, because the plan's to bring in Liam, Liam Hemsworth, right? Right. Because um, Henry Cavill had some disagreements with the way they were taking the, the franchise and stuff like that. So he, he basically told them to do one. And instead of bringing in Liam Hemsworth as a different Witcher, they're bringing him in to play the same character that Henry Cavill was playing. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think my issues with it really are tied to Henry Cavill. I no. just it was I just found it forgettable. That's fair. You know, it's not something I've watched and kind of gone, "Holy shit, that was awesome." <laughs> I've watched it and gone, "Yeah, it's not too bad." Mm. 
and that's it. I've I've now moved on to other things. <laughs> Speaking of moving on to other things. A segue about a segue. Right. It's like a meta sort of segue. <laughs> kind of cool. So a lot of people seem to have moved on to other things in recent times because uh, recent studies have shown that almost 40% more people um, are playing tabletop games since before the lockdown. So the lockdown has brought a lot of people into this amazing hobby. Yeah, I mean, if there are silver linings regarding the lockdown, I think... That's one of them. <laughs> that's definitely one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, th- this one's going to hurt you a little bit, but interest in D&D has increased to, to uh, like, by 85%, which is insane. It's all right, they don't know any better. Um, they don't yet. You're right. They don't know any better yet. And they've got decisions to make going forward because they've now that you know, they've they've had a taster. And <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Um, <laughs> because you don't stop spending money. <laughs> there's always new books, there's always new systems. <laughs> and Wizards of the Coast want your firstborn child. Not just Wizards, let's be honest. It's every, all of the companies have got more books coming out, more rules coming no, out. Just more. Wizards. <laughs> just Wizards. They're all a bunch of <laughs> bastards. Um, but even like min- miniature war games, right? So things like Warhammer, um, like all, all those sorts of games, Malifaux is, is another one. Those have also seen an increase of about 49% since the pandemic. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been insane. I mean, Gen Con ha- had its uh, largest ever attendance uh, last month with over 70,000 people going. No, it is it's phenomenal to see. <laughs> I mean, the, the new venue that we have kind of started going to for the mm. Pathfinder Society games, our, our second venue, as it were, is a big wargaming venue. Yeah. So, you know, you walk in and there's 10, 12 tables. Yeah. More even. Yeah, there's loads. Yeah, because they've got Um, some out the back as well. I don't know if you've been to that bit. Yeah, and it's just all wargames. And, you know, it's it's fantastic to see. Personally, I'm not much of a wargamer, but I have been in the past. I had quite a substantial Blood Angel army for Warhammer 40k. I've tried it. Um, the issue I have with it is the same issue I have with tabletop role-playing. Uh, dice hate me. So I have never won a game when playing any war game, uh, except for Malifaux, because that's cards and not dice, which is why I like cards and not dice. Um, but any game I've played that rev- like revolves around dice rolls, uh, I have never won a game. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, sore subject. I'd, Let's move on. Uh, I'd, feel, <laughs> I'd feel bad for you if it wasn't so fucking funny. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, and it, it's quite funny because like, people will come into like, so we, obviously we've got a, a games workshop, like literally up the road from where I live, right? Um, and I'll, I'll go in there. Again, you know, there's a couple of guys in there that I, I talk to and, and we, we have a, a good old chat and stuff like that. And they, they never used to believe me when I would say how bad my dice rolls were until I started playing games there. Um, and now whenever anybody says, oh, I'm rolling so badly and I'm standing there, they'll all just look at me like, no, you're not. <laughs> because they know that if I was playing, the guy would still win. Uh, Again, still funny. 
Yeah, not so much your, for me. Your pain is amusing. Yeah, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I don't, don't care about that. Though, do I? No, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's really encouraging to see yeah. um, this this hobby that that we've embraced so mm. so tightly yeah. that others are starting to do so as well. Yeah, and you know, let it continue. Let it continue absolutely. to grow. Yeah. And absolutely. Uh, let let's tell stories. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of telling stories, <laughs> loving that setting yourself up for the segues. Beautiful thing of beauty that. Yeah. So the classic RPG Mutant Chronicles goes noir gumshoe in mystery focused Lunar City Blues. Now the thing about this article is mm-hmm. none of these words mean much to me. No. <laughs> because the classic RPG Mutant Chronicles, never fucking heard of it. Yeah. And Lunar City Blues, obviously, it's brand new, so I hadn't heard yep. of it until today anyway. But apparently, Lunar City Blues is um, a Swedish RPG, I do believe. Okay. Not Lunar City, um, Mutant Chronicles, sorry. <laughs> um, it was created by the Swedish studio Target Games back in 1993. Jesus. When I was 11. It's depressing. Yeah, I was about to say, it's depressing that 1993 is considered classic now. Cause I, I know. I, was, I know. Yeah, I was playing games by that point. Uh, what was I doing at 11? I was moving over to Spain. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was playing board games and surfing. That's what I was doing in 1993. I was in a foreign country learning two new languages. I was also in a foreign country, but I was not learning new languages. So, yeah, I, I wasn't playing RPGs back then. That is for fucking certain. Oh, God, no. no I was playing video games and surfing That's, and StarCraft. I played a lot of StarCraft back then. Oh, StarCraft. Mm. I think StarCraft was around then. I think, uh, yeah, I think it might have been. I need some StarCraft in my life. Mm. I mean, StarCraft. Oh, completely fucking off topic. It was. And I had a like a proper midlife crisis moment over the weekend. Oh. And I went and bought Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the Xbox. <laughs> They were good games. They still fucking are. I think the worst thing, though, is when you play a game like that from when you were younger. Because like back, back when they first came out, we we're like, these graphics are amazing. You play it now and you're like, these graphics are not that great. <laughs> oh, no, no. These have like HD remaster. And oh, okay. They've, all, they've literally redone the game. Fair, fair, fair. I didn't realize and that. And they look amazing. Mm. And I'm happy to say... That yes, I've missed a trick or two and I've gone rusty. But the moment I picked up that controller, 60,000 on my first combo. Nice. The big question though is the soundtrack well, you... still the same? Yes. Good. They've added to it as well. Because that was iconic. Yeah, they've added to the soundtracks. But whereas before I used to be able to get, and I know word of a lie, used to be able to get like combos in the millions. Yeah. Now I'm I'm struggling to break the hundred thousand mark, so I oh, do still need to kind it's of. Oh, sign you getting older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, you've got to chain the like, manuals, man. Chain the manuals. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, chain yeah, yeah. manuals, chain manual, manual, chain rails. Yeah, manual grind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as midlife crises <laughs> go, it could have been worse. I could have bought an actual skateboard. 
Um, I definitely don't have two skateboards in my hallway right now. I honestly, I tried it a few years ago. This is even before my 40s. This was <laughs> barely into my 30s or maybe even late 20s when I, when I picked up skating again. Yeah. And I realized I now fear stuff I never used to. Well, that's, that's the thing, man. Like, I look, I look at, like, because, I mean, I, I've literally got a skate park, like, out my window, right? So I can see kids, like, out there skating all the time. And they're doing stuff. And every time they do it, I'm, I, I find myself, like, cringing because I'm like, oh, they're going to get hurt. <laughs> and they don't. And it's like the minute that happens in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't skate. <laughs> I'm a bitch. <laughs> But yeah, that that happened to me when I was skating. I I mean, I I was never like the most proficient skater in the world. No, I was the cameraman. (laughs) I used to, you know, I could hold my own. I could do a couple of tricks here and there. And when I picked it back up, it's like, nope. Not even going to try that because I'm going to fall and it's going to fucking hurt. Yeah. I never used to have those fears and now I do. I'm old. Yeah, man, it's the worst. Getting old sucks. I hate it. Anyway, so, yeah. we digress. Tony Hawk Pro Skater. We digress. Well, no, we digressed even further than that. We started with Mutant Chronicles Lunar City Blues. Oh, yeah, we were talking about the Swedish <laughs> yeah. game. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we moved on to StarCraft somehow, which came out in 1998, by the way, not 1993. I was five years wrong. So I wasn't playing StarCraft yet. Still, you, you are forgiven. <laughs> yeah. All right, so <laughs> apparently... Um, this this new sort of iteration mm. of Mutant Chronicles is going to be a lot more investigative Ooh. and a bit more, well, like, like I said in the title, Noir Gumshoe. Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> nah, see. Honestly, I want to play um, like some kind of detective-y character in something just so I can use that voice. I want to play an entire campaign talking like that. I think probably, I mean, the only one that springs to mind for me would be probably like Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> nah, she. Nah, she. Oh, no, that would work in Del Green as well. There's a dame and, and all this and whiskey and, and all these buzzwords. Yeah, man. I, all right, so I like your maxi, I- kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to build this character now. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be your character for Delta Green. Dude, app, uh, yes. <laughs> All right, okay. Yes. Done. Oh. All right, because Delta Green is coming. We are going yes, uh, yeah, I, I, I I to Yes, yeah, I need to build a proper character for that, because I've only played that one shot that we did, um, which I enjoyed. And uh, my character died, so I couldn't even use that character if I wanted to. And the thing about the one shot, you didn't really experience the, like the nitty gritty of the insanity, the, the existential dread, which is just oh, it's it's crisp. What about I didn't that feel game? the nitty gritty of the insanity. The insanity caused me to get shot in the face. Yeah, but still, it's a lot more nuanced in actual Delta Green. That was that was just a one shot with a. It was one character. shot. You're right. There was one shot was one in shot. the face. It was a good fucking shot. It was a great shot. <laughs> I can't fault the shot. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay. So, where are we? Where were we? Okay. So, speaking of kind of reviving older things. Yes. 
Um, Luke Gygax is bringing back mm. Gary Gygax's Castle Zagig. Yes. And apparently he's looking to bring back a few other things as well. Um, but it's not going to have any of Gary's notes. No, apparently not. And apparently at least this one mm-hmm. is going to use Castles and Crusades as its system. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they will um, give you a, a document with conversion notes to, to 5e. 5e. Yeah. Why ever you would want to do that is beyond me. Because 5e is amazing. <laughs> oh, shit, you were serious. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, um, I, I think it's amazing. I like it. So, yeah, so you can get the 7th um, for Castles and Crusade. You can get the 7th edition player's handbook in PDF for free. For free! For free! So that's the best like word. For, and guess like what? For free. for free doesn't break your, your vow, even though you've already broken it. I've not broken free. my vow. You absolutely I've not broke broken it. My, I have broke not broken it. my vow. You absolutely nope. broke it. Nope. I did not buy those. They were bought for me. <laughs> and they weren't. Yes, they were. A birthday present, dude. <laughs> They give you the money and you spend the money on something else. That's not them giving you what you spent the money on. They gave you the money. <laughs> they gave me the money, so I spent it on what I wanted. It's not how it works, John, and you know it. <laughs> yes, it is. I did not break the vow. The vow is still intact. Oh. And now, after playing Blades in the Dark, I've played one of the games that were on the list. Oh my so gosh. I can now buy more. <laughs> well, there so, you go. Just you, you heard it, game creators. John's wallet is back out there. <laughs> Oh, they are well aware. (laughs) My wallet is ready to give it up. (laughs) So, yeah, Castles and Crusades. I have heard of this. I've not really delved too much. Um, But this is probably something I will look into. Mm. And if it's worth reporting, we can talk about it next week. Yarp. All right. So, like, at least for me, what what we saw as the the biggest news mm-hmm. is that Paizo have started a new Pathfinder playtest. Yes. Um they they've teased it quite quite heavily since Jankon. Mm-hmm. Um two new classes. Two new classes that have not been done before um in in Pathfinder. One of them I think has had similar concepts mm. that haven't quite panned out in both D&D and Pathfinder, but this is, I think, a new attempt of the same concept. Um, so it is all going to be part of their, their upcoming book called The War of the Immortals, where a core deity is going to die. Yes. Yeah, I remember you telling, me, telling us about that. Um, they have teased that it's got something to do with Caden Kayleen, mm-hmm. who is the accidental god. Yep. Now, Which whether I he's love. the one who dies or he is the reason one dies, they have not revealed that. What they have revealed is they are kind of leaning in the immortality and the deity sort of um, aspects of of this book, where uh, there are going to be new 20th level capstones, which essentially will make your character immortal. 
and that immortality will take um different sort of um iterations mm. maybe you get reincarnated constantly maybe you just are the traditional immortal who never ages etc but that is going to be like a 20th level capstone mm. but the the information that they've given most things about because of the play test is about their two new classes yeah i was just reading one, that <clears throat> one is the animist yeah that one looks fun which is a wisdom-based divine spellcasting class that bonds with apparitions, mm. ephe- ephemeral spirits who share their power and knowledge in exchange for the animist acting as their agent within the physical world. Yep. Bond with a steward of stone and fire to add primal power to your spellcasting. Make a pact with an imposter in hidden places to gain access to sneaky and deceptive magics. Or allow a witness to ancient battles possess you and lend its martial talents to your repertoire. 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 Sorry. Got there in That's the end. That's the one. <laughs> Got there in the end. So, <laughs> they tried doing something similar in first edition with the medium. Mm. And it... Didn't it work. was a good concept, but it just kind of felt like a master of all... Uh, master of all trades... Uh, sorry, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. Whereas this, you don't sacrifice your character to gain these abilities they are actually added it's on added, top. yeah i was just reading that and i kind of like that because they're saying about it's essentially a, a spellcaster who can change their abilities each day or even moment to moment based on the spiritual entities that they align themselves with that's really flexible by the sounds of it oh yeah 100 percent. Um, i like that <laughs> i've started building one mm. um not that i'll get to play it but i've started building one and you you kind of you can choose between having like a primary sort of um spirit or multiple mm. and you know both of these things kind of give you different bonuses and it is it seems like a really interesting class yeah and the other is a martial character called the exemplar it is a charisma-based divine warrior possessing their own spark of divinity. Mm-hmm. Essentially um, a demigod by the sounds of it. Yeah. When they were explaining it, the first thing I was thinking was Maui. Yeah. Because not only have they kind of given them, given the, the character this sort of Polynesian as, um, mm. aesthetic, but they even mentioned, it says, they said like it could be like Hercules or yeah. Maui or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, see, uh, Hercules is where I went, but that's because I'm a big Disney kid, um, and I just had the, you know, all of the Hercules songs running through my head when I was reading that. Not fair <laughs> enough. Good old Disney. But then again, Maui's Disney as well now, isn't he? So. And the way this this one works is that they have a divine one divine spark, mm. but they have multiple receptacles. Yes. So they've got, like, a receptacle weapon. Mm receptacle armor and then a worn receptacle where they can imbue their spark into whichever one they choose which will give it extra abilities and then as an action they can expend that Mm. for a like a, a heightened effect yeah and then that will travel into their other 
receptacle, which they're calling icons. Yeah. So you can, so the, the example that they gave is you can have a warrior with a great sword, um, armor, and some enchanted sandals. You can have the spark in the sandals and expend it to give him a burst of speed. Yeah. To get up to the enemy, which then transfers the power to, to the weapon for one hit, and then it transfers it to his armor for anything that's coming back at him. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that, it, it does sound really good. Yeah, I look forward to hearing your feedback on those once you've had a chance to see them in action, if I'm honest. Yeah, I did prompt the players that are coming to the um, Society game this Saturday and next. Mm. Hey guys, you've got these, you can build them. I kind of want to see what they look like. Build them if you want, they're there to be used. Um, Whether they do or not is is beyond me, but... I really hope they do, <laughs> because it sounds fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So I think that's about it for the news. I so, think so. Shall we how head about to we, ca- the couch? Let's take a wander we, over to the couch. I think we should. Shall we? Have you got a question this week? I have got exactly zero questions. I tell you what, sci-fi is. Uh, you need to have a word. <laughs> We do need to have a word. I have two questions. Ooh. And they're actually, yeah, um, yeah, I think they're kind of tied into each other. Okay. Pretty well. Um, so I'm going to go with, we'll go with um, order of receipt. <laughs> so the first one was Corvus Corax from the Temple of Dusk Maven. Um, first of all, he, um, he offers us a note on our Exploiting Loopholes episode. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Toril, Toril is the name of the world where the bulk of 5e pre-written campaigns take place. There we go. Primarily along the Sword Coast in Faerun. Yeah. See, th- those are the two names I know, Sword Coast and Faerun. Yeah, Faerun, mm. I would have probably eventually remembered yeah but that's the one that sounds most familiar that toril is is new to me i mm. wouldn't have had a clue but then again no, I, I have heard that why would i yeah i have heard that i but always get a bit lost the, with the map fair enough <laughs> but to the question yes as a dm that is an absolute fiend for law i even looked into older editions of D for law what are your thoughts on drawing inspiration and law for players from older editions, and even to a lesser extent, taking some information from the overarching universe multiverse of other settings and worlds? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think any, anything that's going to broaden the story and give you more enjoyment is is absolutely fine. It's I mean, somebody went through the effort of writing it. Use it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. <laughs> oh, so my opinion doesn't matter, does it? No, 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 no fuck you. You know it doesn't. <laughs> no, but I do I do agree with you um, yeah. that there is nothing wrong with with mm. pulling from from any source. Yeah, absolutely. It any doesn't source. have to I mean, be even the game that you're playing. Yeah, um, it can be can be anything. Uh, case in point, 
something in the homebrew that I'm running, there is actually a Pathfinder version of it. There is this, what I'm using does exist in Galarian law. Mm. However, I looked at it and went, meh. It's a bit underwhelming. Yeah. So I have pulled from somewhere else. Um, I mean, I'm trying not to give anything away to my players. Yeah. Um, but I've pulled from certain sources that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. that I've enjoyed, and yeah. I think have made Whoa. the whole concept far better yeah i mean well i mean prime example is the entire stance of my campaign as you well know came came from a an adventure path that you ran with with us in a different system that is true right i mean that that's that let's i mean almost verbatim what happened in in the start of that after they you know didn't kill the captain like they were supposed to um <laughs> Well, to be honest, in that adventure path, you don't kill the captain either. Exactly, that, that was my point. Like that now, now that they didn't kill the captain, it, it's almost exactly that, right? They, they pretty much ended up in skulls and shackles, um, unintentionally. Um, <laughs> so, well, you know. you know, in skulls and shackles, you, I think, yeah, the initial ship secures another. Mm -hmm. The characters get put on with the first mate mm -hmm. of the original ship who assumes captaincy and you both go your separate ways and that's where the mutiny happens. Yeah. So you kind of kill the first mate and that's how you get your first ship. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've pulled from, from everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like I've pulled from video games that I've played. Um, I've pulled from a song. Yeah. Books I've read, films I've watched, literally anything. Yeah, and the law, I mean, even even if you just stick, even if I were to just stick to Pathfinder, mm. um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, the premise of it is that it takes place 10 years after original Pathfinder was released, so the game world has progressed 10 years. Mm. So everything that's happened in all the adventure paths for Pathfinder 1st Edition have actually happened, and yeah. they've made an impact on the world. So, for example, um, the city of Jinshalast is now visible. Uh, the world wound is now sealed, etc., etc. So all these changes that have happened in the world... Because Pathfinder is still relatively, uh, second edition, sorry, is still relatively new, the, the law books haven't quite caught up. So yeah. I find myself constantly going back to first edition books. Referencing the old ways. Yeah, and just kind of picking up and updating as, as necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, so yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, well, I think we're in agreement on this. It's it's absolutely fine to pull from any sources that you think is going to influence your game for the better. Yeah, and it's also it can also work for um the the sort of players that kind of know the law. Mm, yeah, it can also be really good to kind of surprise them. 
you know, um, because, you know, a player that kind of knows the lore inside out of the world you're running, I'm not saying that they're not going to enjoy it, but they don't have that initial sort of wow factor when something's revealed. Yeah. Whereas if you're pulling from a book that they've never fucking read, then it's gonna yeah, it's gonna help. Then you can actually give them that experience. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely pull from anything. Pull from yep. any do not, source. Do not restrict yourself. No, not at all. Steal, file off the serial numbers. Well, and it, recycle. It, it, it's what uh, Ludwig, a YouTuber, a gaming YouTuber and streamer that I, I watch a lot of. Um, it's a technique he calls the yoink and twist. So you yoink whatever somebody else did. Twist it so that it's your own, and then it's your own. <laughs> yeah, and it's also known as the Hollywood business practice. Yeah, the Oinkin twist. The Oinkin twist. Yeah, it's great. Disney do it all the fucking time. Yeah. Everyone does it. It's great. <laughs> no, but yeah, definitely. I think it's a fantastic question. Though. Oh, yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah, amazing. You know, and thank you very much for that. Yes. So, our next question Yarp. comes from the man, the myth, the legend, mm-hmm. Couch. That, that he is. He is writing to us from just one more day till retirement. Bullshit. And this is an interesting one, and I did want to get your take on it. Mm-hmm. When setting up your campaign, how do you figure out the story beats? This mainly applies for homebrews. Do you find that the story can change or slash do uh, sorry do you find that story can change or do you get bored of your story and want to change it how much sit time do you give yourself to work out the next part um so i i i don't really plan all that far ahead um i i plan i tend to plan out like the first three-ish sessions right because I need to, I need to make sure that I know, um, like where my, where my hook's going to be, right? And so I, I, I will plan to that point, and then once I've hit the hook, I just freeball it. But I know where the the end point is, and everything in between, I just do what feels right. So I kind of freeform it from there. <laughs> Um, in a sense, I do kind of prep a bit more. Yes. <laughs> but I improvise more than you do. Yes. It's kind of a weird combination of both. Yeah. So I will have an overall heading for the campaign. Yeah. All right. And let's take a film, for example. Lord of the Rings. All right. Lord of the Rings. Why not? Okay. I was watching so, it the other day. Yeah. And... People are, I'm going to have to like lay out a disclaimer here <laughs> that I am spoilers incoming. Not that, no, I'm probably <laughs> not the ideal person to be talking about Lord of the Rings because I've read the book, hated the fucking movies, and it, yes, I may get a lot of shit wrong. That's yeah, fine, but I'm going to roll with it. It's fine. I'm here to, if if, to help, and and if it offends you, then. You've got bigger problems than me talking about Lord of the Rings to deal with. Yep. So, okay, so Lord of the Rings. So I'm there, I'm at home, and I'm thinking, okay, so I want a campaign. 
I want a short dude to go to a volcano to chuck a ring in. Mm, not necessarily a short dude, because that's just one of the player characters. You just need a well, ring thrown in a volcano. Yeah, no, but that's the concept I yeah. had in mind. So I need a ring in a volcano. Yep. All right, so that is that is where I I want the the thing to end. So then I will kind of start asking, right, so what needs to happen to lead up to that point? Mm. So the dude has to meet other people. Yes. Those other people have to travel to this place. Was that Moria, I think, I'm thinking? Uh, that was the mines, yeah, where they fight the Balrog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they have to meet up. To, they have to get to this point. And then from there, they have to get to, say, another place. I don't know. Gondor. Gondor. Yeah, okay. They have to get to Gondor. Mm-hmm. Um, all through the while, they have to face various challenges, but I'll get into that in a minute. So we've got the beginning. We've got the individual sort of checkpoints that need to happen in order to reach the goal. Now, from... The beginning to the first checkpoint, that's when I come up with stepping stones. Mm. So those stepping stones will be little adventures. Little sort of semi-independent things. Some things will be tied in more, some things will be tied in less. They come across a village that is haunted, for example. You know, you kind of dangle that bait and kind of say, Look, this is a very haunted village. People are dying, etc., etc. <laughs> and, you know, heroes being heroes will nine times out of ten kind of go, oh, we need to figure out what's going on here. So that will give me four, five, maybe even six sessions worth. And because I don't plan the way the sessions are going to go, all I do is prepare information. Mm. So I'll prepare the town. I'll prepare the NPCs, I'll prepare the shops, I'll prepare what's going on, and then everything else is just improvising with that information Mm. and giving the appropriate nudges where necessary. Yeah. And as they're kind of getting to the end of that, that's when I'm thinking about the next one. Yeah. And the next one, and the next one. And it will guide them to the checkpoint that I need them to be at. Once out of that checkpoint, that's okay. That's step one done. Now we need to focus on how to get to step two. So that is kind of how I set up my story beats. I set them up as like potentially self-contained adventures. And in terms of changing, 100%. I will change things on a dime. Sometimes it's because of character actions Mm -hmm. where they've done something that makes me what need to kind of shift the goalpost. They've zigged instead of zagging. They caused a riot and are now all in prison. Yeah, for example. (laughs) That for me is an opportunity to kind of go, right, okay, now how do I not necessarily change the campaign? But how do do we incorporate it? Yeah, how do I let them enjoy this? Whilst at the same time getting them back to where they need to be. Prison break. Prison break, for example. <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of the way the way I do it. And yeah, in terms of change, 
it changes all the time. Mm. There is, I, I have spoken to my table and said, once this campaign's done, we will have a session where we will sit down and you will ask me any questions you want to ask <laughs> about the campaign itself and how I prepared it and get ready because some things are going to surprise you. Yeah. I, I pulled a major change earlier on in the campaign. Mm. And that wasn't based on anything the characters did. That was based on a conversation I had out of game with one of the players mm. where they kind of commented on something and <laughs> I kind of I kind of felt it was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So I went <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay, okay, fucko. And like, there is one oh, major really? challenge. <laughs> oh really? So yeah, um once all is said and done, I will be more at liberty to kind of reveal <laughs> what that is and what prompted that change because you are going to fucking love it. Oh, can't I'll wait. probably te- I'll probably even tell you off air if you promise to keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah, let's not do that. We both know that. Okay. It's no. <laughs> yeah, so I will not make that promise. Cam- <laughs> yeah, once the campaign is over. <laughs> I know my limitations, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, cuz this is juicy. Yeah, as no, well. yeah, no. No, then don't don't tell me. Yeah, so yeah, I think we've got about maybe four or five months left. Mm. Once it's done, I will, I will tell all. Fantastic. But yeah, so change stuff up, and mm. you know what I always kind of want to stress to newer GMs is: don't try and prepare for everything, yeah. and to trust your improvising. Yeah, I, I think as well, um, like j- just on that is don't get too attached to your story as well. Um, because I, I have in the past seen like things on Reddit and stuff like that where like a, a GM has created, like, because obviously, I mean, they spend time creating this, like, this, this arc, right, that they want to get through. But if that's just not what the players are feeling or not what the players want to do with what you've presented them, you can't force them down that road because then they're just going to feel railroaded and get a bit oh that's not really what i want and so i I think it's important to to not get too attached to your story that you start ignoring what the players actually want to do as well yeah i i completely agree and i think a lot of the reason for that is there is a habit um, for gms which is when they prepare a homebrew it's almost like they're preparing it for somebody else to run. Mm. So every little thing is detailed. Yeah. You know, okay, so the players are going to meet up in a tavern and then they're going to go to this person who's going to send them on this quest to beat this dragon. And they kind of, they do this and it's almost like they're trying to write an AP. Mm. Whereas my advice is you're not. The only person who needs to read this is you. Mm. So all you need to do is give yourself enough information to have an answer. Yeah. When the players say, what's this? You, that's what you need. You do not need, okay, so they're going to meet Jeffrey, who is going to send them on the quest to, to, to face the dragon. No, you need to know that there is a dragon nearby. Yep. And that's how, causing how, havoc. How they get on that quest is going to, 
be yeah you can just do it however oh they've heard and some rumors they, or yeah and oh, if they don't want to get on that quest then have another one in your back pocket yeah. and if you have something prepared and the players bypass it Use it somewhere don't else. tell them <laughs> yeah yeah do not fucking tell them <laughs> we've said just, that so many times on this show just move it move <laughs> it make it the appropriate level yeah and go, hey, this is, look at this thing that you've just walked into well, I mean, That's the thing, right? They're, they're going to get to a town at some point where, like, they'll say, oh, I'm going to, one of them will say, oh, I'm going to go check the notice board for any jobs. Cool. You find a note for this thing that they bypassed five towns ago. Yeah. That's in this town now that they never knew about. I, I prepared a whole fucking city. Mm-hmm. That my players walked past. It's, it's the moving sea. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was called Whoop Thing, but then all of a sudden, it's a different name now. It's, it's got a different name. It's funny that, and all the creatures are, are leveled appropriate because it was about five it's, levels later it's, it's as well. Mental, mental. How that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but again, they didn't know. They saw no, the exactly city and no. went, "Yeah, we're not going to rest. We're just going to just going to plow keep, through." Keep on trucking, yeah. And I'm just sat there, kind of going, "Fuck." I think I think that is key though. Is if you have something like that that they completely bypass, just stick it in your back pocket. Don't don't tell them. Don't show that you're you know gutted that they've missed this cool thing that you had planned or or whatever. Right? If they miss it, just stick it in your back pocket. Pull it out later when you need to. Yeah, it'll come up. I mean, it'll come even, up. Even it can even be something as simple as an NPC giving them information. Yeah. If you know if there is informa- important information that that they need to know mm. and they just happen to kill the NPC who had it, give them the, MP- the, the information somewhat, some other yeah. way. Like, yeah. Cause I mean, you, you're, uh, again, you know, if, if it's just a bit of information they need, they're inevitably going to have, you know, one of them's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to spend the night in the tavern, just drinking and, you know, chatting to people. So, oh, okay. Well, while you were doing that, you, you heard this rumor. Yeah, that's it. You, you just recycle the things yeah. you need and use that to kind of um, to to build your story mm. and give the players the direction that you need to push them or gently nudge guide them, should I say, <laughs> um, towards your next story beat. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, that's probably the best advice I can give any any GM. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. I do believe that's about all we've got time for. I would agree with that. All right. So thank you to Couch and Corvus for mm-hmm. sending in some fantastic, fantastic questions. questions. Yeah. Uh, thanks to you for spending Aww. some time with me this evening. So kind. Um, do you want to tell people whereabouts they can find you on Tinterwebs? Yes. So you lovely folk uh, can find me pretty much everywhere at Justin Accurate TV. Uh, and of course, over on our Facebook group. As for me, you can find me on most social media sites as at Natural One. I'm mostly active on Mastodon, uh, Dice.camp. Um, you can also find me in the Facebook group. And yeah, other than that, all I want to say is thank you to everyone um, who's uh, for taking time out of your busy days to, to listen to Two Idiots Waffle On. Um, if you are interested in the show, please like, please, you know, help us get the exposure we need to kind of grow and build this community. Mm. So thank you very much to everyone. 
Good night. See you later, folks.